Okay, friends. It's always something on, uh, on the morning that, that, that kind of gets in the way, and right at the last moment, my, my battery pack clip just snapped off and broke. So always something's going to set you off. So I guess I've got to recenter myself a second here. Start off with a story. It was in 2006, and Robin and I and our family were preparing to head off to London to plant a church. Now, I could just go on with the story right there, and it would sound really cool, but when I say London, I'm talking about London, Ontario, Canada. Yes, there is another London, and that is the one to which we were called and to which we are going to plant a church. So we are getting ready to move from my first church that I was serving in North Carolina to head all the way up north to get this mission started. And some of the folks that we are friends with at our church decided to have a little going-away party for us, which is great and wonderful. And of course, as people love to show their, uh, you know, love to show their love and their affection um, through roasting sometimes becomes a bit of a thing. So I realized that pretty soon I was getting in the roasting chair and they're going to have some fun at my expense. Well, this one guy gets up, Jeff Crisp, that's his real name. I'm calling you out, Jeff. If you watch this sermon, I'm going to get my come up. And someday, Jeff Crisp decides he's going to lay into me. And so he just starts doing this imitation of me. And the whole time, well, basically his imitation of me was this. He just kept saying, thanks, and thank you, and thank you, and thank this. And, and everybody's laughing hysterically. And I'm like, what, what, is, what is happening? And they, and they say this. They say, you're saying it wrong. And I'm like, I'm saying what wrong? And they're like, you say thanks wrong. And I'm like, you're insane. And they're like, no, 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 you say thanks wrong. And they went on to give me this wonderful English lesson that I'm going to burden you with now. And they're like, George, there's the voiced TH. And I had to write these letters down here. There's the voiced TH, like this, that, and there. And then there is the unvoiced TH. Am I sounding pompous? I'm trying to sound very pompous here. The unvoiced TH, think thought, and three, and thanks is supposed to be the unvoiced TH. So, I need to tell you this right now out of the gate. Okay, I must have been kicked in the head by a donkey when I was a kid and went cross-eyed and, or something and, and lost the ability to hear the difference. So, so I cannot hear the difference in thanks and thanks. I, I, I don't know if I'm saying it right or wrong now. Here's the point. Get over it. I mean, I mean, I mean, here's my whole point of this. Thank you. Thank you very much. One person. So, so if I'm saying it wrong, first, let me say from the bottom of my heart, I'm so sorry that you're offended at my saying thanks wrong. And now from the other part of my heart, oh my God, I mean, really, there's, there's more important things in the world than our enunciation of the TH in the English language. So I'm probably going to say it wrong, I think, for the rest of the service, but I'm going to get on with it because we need to get into this topic of thanks and gratitude. In, in, in fact, if, if you were raised in a, you know, kind of a good proper family, uh, you, you know, you were taught the magic words, right? The magic words are please and thank you, right? These are, so the question is, are these really like, like magic words? I remember I was teaching my kids, of course, to say please and thank you, and we did a whole, actually, a curriculum on manners, to show manners are so important, and uh, Eden was very young, so this is an Eden story, and we were, this is while we were still in North Carolina, and it was Halloween, it was trick-or-treat night, and our, we, had, we lived in the crazy neighborhood, just hundreds of kids come through, and uh, I decided I'll, I'll take Eden out, and we were going up the street, we're just a couple 
a couple doors down, and we go through the rigmarole there, you know, knock on the door. Oh, my goodness, what are you? And, and you know, grab something. So Eden reaches in, grabs some candy, puts it in her bag. And then she's kind of, you know, sitting there just or standing there lo lo looking up. And I, of course, as I'm used to doing, I have to give her the nudge, you know, like, what do we say, Eden? And without missing a beat, she looks up and she says, I have to go to the bathroom. So that was not at all what we were expecting. They were very kind. They let Eden go in and use the bathroom. Then we said, thank you. And then we went on our way. I mean, is please and thank you really, in a sense, the, the magic words? And the answer to that, we're going to start here with the research and then move in, into the Bible. Well, actually, we're starting with mom and dad. Like, they're the magic words. But the research now bears out the power of gratitude and thanks. In fact, there's a book that came out. I just read, I didn't read the whole book. I just read the little, you know, summary of it. And it's a book by, I got to get this right, Robert Emmons. And he wrote, Thanks, How the New Science of Gratitude Can Make You Happier. And then this, he details in, in the research, he kind of provides this empirical proof that people that simply say thank you and they express gratitude, that th they experience um, better health, uh, more emotional health, better physical health, improved immune systems. Uh, they experience stronger relationships. Uh, people express gratitude in their marriages, express a, a stronger bond with their spouse. They actually express more romance. They actually, and sorry, I'm just going to say it, they actually say they have a better sex life. So please and thank you. I guess it's a thing. It can actually help. And basically it says every single area of your life, gratitude helps. I'm good, I'm good, thank you. So a gratitude will help your life in, in any and every area. So they, they put this to the test in, in businesses. And so some businesses just in, sort of just, just put in their, their gratitude policy where they didn't really give their employees much more instruction than you have to say please and thank you. And also, like last week, was it last week? Yeah, last week, the how can I help you. So, so they, they instituted this kind of gratitude policy. And over the course of just a, just a, a few, you know, kind of business cycles, they saw higher revenue and repeat customers in all of the stores that, Im, that Im, you sort of implemented this simple gratitude policy. That's just going on the, that, that, that's just the outworking of gratitude. But, but what happens biblically? What happens when we actually go deeper into gratitude in our own lives, and gratitude actually becomes not just this outward expression, but this inner peace and place that we have of thanks and gratitude in our hearts. Zig Ziglar, the famous communicator, said that gratitude, in fact, is the holy grail. Gratitude is the thing that we should be striving for, straining towards, going after. Gratitude should be the core value that all of us really lift up and move our lives toward. So gratitude, saying thanks, is going to become this prayer of our lives. In fact, let me just do a quick recap of our seven-word series, because in a sense, we could say each one of these words becomes a prayer, a prayer in and of itself and a springboard to more prayers. We started with yes. Yes can be the prayer of yes, Jesus, you are Lord, and I'm giving my life to you. The great yes to God can move us into relationship with him. Then to simply pray no, to say no to the things that would separate us from our identity in Christ and from our mission in serving Him from anything that is not glorifying or honoring to God, we simply pray and say no. Then we moved into sorry. 
Sorry, really, it, it maybe is the most important prayer because sorry can begin our relationship and our walk with Christ. The Bible calls it confession or repentance when we turn our lives to Jesus as we say sorry for our sin and the errors of our ways and of our world and of our lives and we, we, we call upon the grace of Jesus Christ and he fills us with new life. Then we talked about the word help. I mean, help is this word that's going to move us forward, and it's this prayer that can just, you know, change our lives as we receive help from God and as we want to become a, a help for others. Help is a great prayer. But the prayer of thanks. In fact, uh, a guy named Meister Eckhart said this. Let me make sure I get this quote right. He said, If the only prayer you say in your life is thank you, that would suffice. If the only prayer you pray in your life is thank you, that would suffice. Prayer could really cover any and every area of life as we want to walk in communion with God to give thanks in any and all circumstances, as Paul tells us in Philippians, giving thanks and gratitude to God. Well, let's go into thanks in the Bible and start to unpack this core value for the people of God and for helping us to embark on the life that we all want to live as the research has already borne out. If you just open up your Bible and start flipping the pages and reading Psalms and stories and you're looking for thanks and you're looking for gratitude, the simple fact of the matter is you're going to find it on just about every page. Almost every psalm begins or ends or begins and ends with giving thanks to God. Yes, there are psalms of complaint. There are songs of a kind of stating a, a position or, 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 or a grievance. Yes, we have those. God does invite us to be honest, to be transparent when we're going through hardships, to lay that before God. But the, the testimony of the word is that over and over again, we start with thanks. As we move then through the, the Bible and we get to the other side and get to the, the letters of the New Testament, almost every letter, again, is going to begin and end with words of thanks, giving thanks to the church, to the people that are being written to, and expressing thanks and gratitude as a way of closing the, the letter. We just find thanks, thanksgiving, all over the pages of Scripture. I, I've been trying to incorporate a psalm with each one of these words. We're going to go to Psalm 100 for this one. Another favorite, love this one. I'm going to read the whole thing because it's a short one. So Psalm 100 tells us this. Shout for joy to the Lord all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs, which we do and which I love. Know that the Lord is God. It is he who made us and we are his. We are the people, the sheep of his pasture. Here's our verses. Enter his gates with thanksgiving, and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name, for the Lord is good and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. How do we enter into the court of God? How do we enter into his presence with thanksgiving? Simple quiz, not really a quiz. You actually don't have to answer this. I already know what the answer is going to be. Who would you rather have enter your courts, enter your gates, enter your house this Thanksgiving? Somebody who is grateful, somebody with an overflow of gratitude, or a grumbler? <laughs> would you rather have somebody grateful in your house or a grumbler? We, of course we want the grateful person. 
we all want the grateful person. We, we want to be grateful people. We want to be around grateful people. And yet something in us gets keen pulled towards grumbling, the complaint, the, the, the one thing. And, and everything that goes right, the one thing that goes wrong that we fixate on. We seem to be sort of pulled towards grumbling so often in our lives. This summer when we went through the Exodus series, I was struck, and I mentioned it at a few different points. I never preached like a whole message on it, but it was a reoccurring theme, and it's going to reoccur right now, that grumbling is a huge issue with the people of God. That the people were grumbling and called out to God for a Savior, and God sent them a Savior. I'm just going to preach through it, whatever happened in here. The people, you know, called out, were, were thirsty, and they grumbled, and God sent them water. The people were hungry, and they grumbled, and God sent them manna. They, they, they got sick of manna, and they grumbled, and God sent them quail. They, they felt like they were under attack, and they grumbled, and God sent them a, a deliver over and over and over again. The people are grumbling, and God keeps providing, and yet they never seem to learn the lesson. In fact, it comes to kind of this head as we got into Numbers 25, and they there's this crazy scene where the people are grumbling yet again, and God, it said, sends snakes into their midst, and 24,000 were killed because of their grumbling. So let's just say, praise God, he doesn't send snakes anytime that we are grumbling. On the other side, I see a lot of snakes when I'm biking and hiking the trails, and I always have pause now. Hmm, <laughs> what's happening here? No, but is God going to send a snake whenever we grumble? I... I doubt it. I hope not. I think if he did, I wouldn't make it to the end of the week, to be perfectly honest. If I don't voice my complaints, if I don't voice my grumbling, at least I feel it. I fixate on the things that aren't going the way I hope they will go, instead of giving thanks and thanking God for all that is going well in my lives. It would appear that we live in this outpouring of God's grace, and we don't get, you know, struck down for our grumbling but I do think we can significantly block God's blessing in our lives. Because whenever we recognize God's grace and his blessing in our lives, when our eyes begin to see it, we begin to see it all over. And we begin to give thanks, not just for the good things, but, and, and here's where we're going to go, and I'm going to be swinging back around to this all, all, all the way at the end. We can even give thanks ahead of time. We can even give thanks ahead for what God is going to do, even when we are rejoicing, giving thanks in circumstances that we didn't ask for, we didn't want, that are hard, that are burdensome, that are difficult. We can give thanks for where it is going to get us on the other side. Do you get where I'm saying, what I'm saying here, friends? That we give thanks to God even in the things that maybe it doesn't come so naturally to us, but we move to a supernatural level, we move to a spirit-filled level, and we recognize that on the other side of this, I can give thanks because God is going to make me, he's going to shape me, he's going to mold me, he's going to mature me, he's going to give me experiences from which I can become a blessing to other people, and I will know how much more I can put my faith and my trust in God, even through these circumstances where the world would say, grumble, 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 but I'm going to give thanks, thanks, thanks to God. So giving thanks is a big, big issue. This is a big issue in Jesus's life. Gratitude is a big issue in Jesus's ministry. Uh, there's a story in, in Luke 17 where Jesus is going, it says, through the land between Samaria and Galilee. Now, that's a significant part of the story right there, that God's people often go to the lands between 
God's people are called to journey in these lands between where these little communities start to gather. Because something interesting happened here in this land between, between Samaria, where the Samaritan lives, and Galilee, where the, where the Jews lived, was this land between. And you see, the Samaritans and the Jews didn't naturally like each other. In fact, there was great animosity and grumbling between the two groups in regard to the other two groups. But something happened to a community of people that, in a sense, superseded their prejudice and their hatred. See, in the past, they would define themselves, I'm a good Samaritan, and this is where I worship, or I'm a good Jew, and this is how we worship. But something sort of rose above all of that, a need in their life that became the common denominator, and it was leprosy. And this leper colony forms in this land between ostracized from Samaria, ostracized from Israel, and this land between, this new community begins to develop. And Jesus intentionally says he's going there, traveling in this land between. Again, for the people of God, going to the land between. Well, as they're going in this land between, they begin to call out. Now, this was required for people that had leprosy. It was a highly communicable disease. And so when anybody was ever getting close, they had to begin to call to them, unclean, unclean. I mean, can you just imagine if this is how our lives existed? Anytime people began to come close to us, we just had to call out, take warning, I am so greedy. Before you come into my presence, I just want you to know how greedy I am. Before you come close, I'm so prideful. Just, Just I want you to know. Before you get, it, it could be communicable. I might, I might pass it. Oh, but I, I, have so, I have so much, you know, sexual baggage or sin in my life. It could be, before you get close, I just want you to know, in case, can you imagine, like, if we just had to, like, call out the thing <laughs> that you were guilty of, that is maybe causing shame, a burden that we're bearing, just to say, oh, I'm sorry, like, it might spread <laughs> if you come into a relationship with me. Well, that, that's what these people were required to do. I mean, they, they had to say, like, like, like ju- if you get close to me, you could get this thing that I have. And so they call out, and they, they call out, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. Can you? We hate to be pitied. If there's anything we say, we always say, don't pity me, right? There, there, there's a pride. There, there, there's a self-reliance. Uh, there, there's this idea that like, don't pity me, but imagine being in the place where you are so willing to say, I'm going to just fix this again there, just saying, you know, what I need, I can't provide. The healing that, that, that is required, I, I am unable. Have pity on me. <laughs> just, just if, I, I, I don't know if I've ever been in that place. Just say, pity me pity me, because maybe that would be a relief. (laughs) Maybe that could provide something. Pity us, Jesus. Well, Jesus does more than than, than pities them. He says to them, simply, go and show yourself to the priest. Now, sometimes people had an immune system. They they didn't understand it back then, but they could fight off the disease. They would get get the infection. Their immune system would kick in, and they could actually overcome leprosy. It was very rare, but there were instances of it happened. And when it happened, they would go and show themselves to the priest because only the priest could say, you can come back into the collective, into society. You don't have to live in between anymore. You can be a part of us now. 
And so there would have been a glimmer of hope, perhaps, already, as he says, go and show yourself to the priest. And then along the way, you can just, you just put yourself there for just a moment. Imagine, uh, you know, somebody with this leprosy, you know, it's a wasting disease. It's literally a wasting disease. And, and as they're walking, making this journey back into Israel, back into Galilee, back to a temple where they can meet a priest, instead of, you know, feeling drained of energy, they're starting to get some pep, you know, in their step. They're starting to get energized. They, they, they start to realize, hey, that, that's, that scab, I mean, gross, but that, that scab I was picking at, it's, it's gone. They, they start to look at each other and be like, you know, you know, Frank, like, you look good. Like, how good? Like, better good. And soon they realize that on the journey, they've all been healed. They've all been healed. And yet, here's the rub then. It says, only one then returned. He returned, and when he returned, it said he came back, and he was shouting praise, shouting thanks to Jesus. Now, we've already read that when we enter the gates of our King, of our God, when we enter His courts, we enter with shouts of praise. I mean, what does it say there? Shouts of praise. It doesn't say whispers of praise. It doesn't say meekly eke out words of gratitude. No, no, no. No, the proper response of people who know they are entering into the presence of God is to shout for joy. The proper response of somebody who enters into the gate of God is to give thanks with shouts of praise. It is the proper response of somebody who knows that they have been healed, that they have been given a new life, that they have been redeemed, that they have been restored. When somebody knows, I am a new creation in Jesus Christ, what is the proper response? To give shouts of joy to the Lord. Can I get an amen? Because I'm trying to preach this one up a little bit, friends. The proper response of people who know they have been given new life, they are born again, they are restored, and they have heaven in store for them here and now is to shout for joy. I have no problem, my friends, with shouts of joy. God has no problem with you shouting thanks and praise and joy over him, over his name, entering his courts. In fact, that might be the only reasonable response. You see, all ten of them were healed, it says. All ten of them were healed, but nine of them missed the greatest blessing of all. Nine of them missed the greatest blessing of all. See, the greatest blessing wasn't the healing. As much as we would want that healing, as much as we think that is the miracle, what is the greatest blessing of the story is that the leper who had to call out unclean, unclean, and the land in between, who had to stand far off and could never enter the presence of God, gets to go running up to Jesus and fall at his feet and, em- and take him and embrace him and know and be known by him. See, that is the blessing of the one. Not that he just came and was able to give thanks to God, but it is in giving thanks to God that he was in the presence of Jesus, his Savior, and could literally be embraced by him, friends. That's the greatest blessing. That is the greatest. That is the miracle, and that is what we miss if we don't move to thanksgiving. That is what we miss. If we don't move to Thanksgiving, we don't move to Jesus. We don't move into the presence of God. We don't move into his gate. And that is what I want for me, and that is what I want for you. That is what I want for all of us to be able to enter into his presence and give him praise and thanks and to be embraced, to know and be known by him, friends. Are you getting now the connection between gratitude and being in the very presence 
of God your Savior, Jesus Christ. This is the blessing that is poured out on these lepers, and it is the blessing that be poured out to us. Ten got healed, only one got the healer. So, we're going to jump now to Colossians 3. I want to tie this into something for us to have a takeaway as we move into our week of thanksgiving. I've been going through, actually, Colossians chapter 3 a couple times. At the title of Colossians 3 in your, in your Bible, you probably have a chapter heading that says something like this, living as those made alive in Christ. And a lot of these words are coming from Colossians chapter 3. A lot of these prayers come right from Colossians chapter 3. Let me just dive right into it, and we're going to look at the second half. I did verse 12 through 14 the other week when we talked about, um, when we talked about saying sorry and forgiveness, but it's going to move us into thanksgiving then. So let me just kind of get us up to speed here. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. These could have been our words. These could be messages in and of themselves. In and of themselves. Meditate upon these things. Bear with each other and forgive one another if you have any, any grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you and over all these virtues put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. And here's our new verses. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you are called to peace and be thankful. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Let me just say something, something on that. Take inventory this coming week on what is ruling in your hearts. What is ruling your heart? Is it Christ, your Lord and Savior? Is it the peace of Christ that passes all understanding? Or is anxiety ruling your heart? Is fear ruling your heart? Is depression ruling? Is worry ruling? Is hatred ruling? What is ruling your heart? Anything less than Christ ruling your heart is not worthy of you. Anything less than Christ ruling in your heart is not worthy of being the ruler over your life. This point was driven home to me, and I tell this story often. I, every couple years I probably tell it, so you may know this one already, because um, I tell it often, and if you, it doesn't matter to you now, don't worry, I'll, I'll come back to it again shortly, because you'll need this someday. I remember once in a situation early on in ministry, um, and I can't even, here's how these things work in, my, work in our lives. I can't even remember the situation. I, I, to, but at the moment, it was the most overwhelming thing. <laughs> and it centered around a couple students that I was doing campus ministry with. Whatever it was, who knows, doesn't even matter. But it was driving me crazy. I wasn't sleeping good for a couple nights. I was anxious. I was worried about it. And I finally decided to go to a friend. It was a, a Catholic campus minister on the same campus. He was a biker. I was a biker. We, we developed a relationship. And, and I kind of went to him. I was like, Dave, here's what's happening. And, you know, I probably just blah, blah, blah for like 10 minutes about this awful situation, <laughs> you know, that I can't even remember remember now what was so bad. And finally, he's like, George, who's in your heart? And, and, and I'm like, oh, Jesus is in my heart. And he's like, you know, he's like, no, he's like, George, <laughs> who, who is Lord? Like, Jesus is Lord. Where's Jesus? 
Jesus is living in me, me and Jesus, you know, really, and he kind of just took me until, until he kind of got me to this place where I was just sitting down. He's like, Jesus, George, if, if anybody but Jesus is sitting at the throne of your heart, they're not worthy of that seat. And I just kind of took the time to take that situation, to take those people, and to take them out of my heart, and to put Jesus back there, and to say, I will give thanks even in this situation, even in these circumstances, trusting this is all part of your will for me. So we let the peace of Christ because we let Christ rule in our hearts and anything else ruling over our lives is just not worth it, friends. It's just not worth it. Oh, I, I, but I got more to go into. I'm going to do a time check. Oh, we got some time. We got some time here, friends. So, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. Let me just say, we fill our lives with the things of God. You know, we, we can go and pay all kinds of money for all kinds of concerts, all kinds of gatherings, but there's nothing better than this for me, than to come and to sing these songs, these psalms, to sing gratitude and glory over Jesus Christ as the body of Christ in the context of worship. There's nothing better. To get into God's word so it can dwell richly in us, to be in a group that goes, this is how Christ lives in our hearts. This is how his peace rules over us. This is how we dwell here by being in worship, by being in groups, by singing these songs here and throughout the week. We, we, we just immerse ourselves into Christ. So that's a whole other point. I'm going to move on there. And then he says this, and whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus giving thanks to God the Father through him. The band can come up and start to get us ready. I want to, I need to drive us home now because we got turkeys to buy and cans of cranberry to open up and stovetop stuffing to rehydrate and good things to do this week. How do we put this into practice? This is nothing new, but it could be new if you start to put it into practice, right? There's nothing new about what I'm about to say. There's nothing new about what you've heard this morning. I mean, there, you could be here and be like, yawn, 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 whatever. Yeah, be, gra be grateful. But it's new if we start to live lives of gratitude. And so this week of Thanksgiving, give thanks. I, I invite you to give thanks, to get a journal, to get something, and start to write down your gratitude. There's studies on this. Let me just summarize it for you. Often the best way is to jumpstart, to kickstart thanksgiving into your lives by writing down at least three things a day for a season or even a year. And Voskamp has a wonderful book that tells the story of her giving thanks for a year. It's called A Thousand Gifts. Just, just read that one if you want a good journal, kind of a good story of how giving thanks transformed her life. You don't have to do that forever. The studies show that that kind of like wears out after a year or a season in life. You're like, okay, I thank God for the coffee every day for a week now. You know what I mean? So like you kind of get to the point where it can kind of become, but it can become part of your spiritual discipline and rhythm then. Maybe again, once a week, maybe every, maybe just every Thursday you have Thursday Thanksgiving, like for the rest of your life maybe. 
where you intentionally take time at some point during the course of your week, just as we intentionally take time to be in worship or to be in a group, we take some time to be intentional about giving thanks to God for all things. And the key is to write them down and to periodically go back and rehearse our giving thanks to God and seeing His faithfulness in the midst of that. Nothing new there, but it could be new and transforming if you followed through on giving thanks. The second thing then, and this would be a modern one, is go social with it. Instead of leveraging social media to always try and one-up one another or compare your life, and that never compares, whenever people, you know, primp and preen and, and vet their life for the perfect vacation image, it, 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 it's so fake. We all know it's fake, right? You know it's fake, yes? You know it's not real. So decide to just go real. Give thanks. Celebrate the good and the bad. Give glory. Leverage this for doing something authentic and transparent and real. Make social media actually social. Make social connection actually connecting and not building walls. Just decide to flip the script and leverage giving thanks and drawing people into deeper connection with one another and share in that gratitude. And the last thing is going right back to where we started. Do as your mama, as your grandmama told you. Write a thank you note. Write a thank you note. I remember early on in ministry, somebody did something for me, and so I did what I do, and I wrote them a thank you note, and I sent it off to them, and they came back to me. And I always remember it, because that was the funniest thing. It's like, oh, well, now I know you come from good stock. So, you know, <laughs> so <laughs> if you want to come from good stock, <laughs> write a thank you note. <laughs> Whatever good stock means, I don't know, but write a thank you note. A lot of us got, I hope maybe all of us got a thank you note on your way in. Does everybody have a thank you note? If you don't have a thank you note, get one on the way out. If you want more thank you notes, take them. I hope they're all gone. If they're all gone and we want more, out order more of them. They cost pennies. But if writing a thank you note can be a part of the process of moving you into a heart and a life of giving thanks to God, we are happy to pay those pennies. Heck, if you leave it with me and you leave the, uh, the, the address on it, I'll even pay for the stamp and hand it off to Mark, and we'll send it out the door with y'all. So write a thank you note. The best, though, is this. The best would be this. If you could write a note of thanks, of gratitude to somebody, and even hand deliver it to them. Call them up and say, hey, you want to grab a coffee or whatever? And, you know, just, just slip that note across to them. And let them read your gratitude when you're giving thanks to them. I mean, that could heal a marriage, transform a family, save a relationship. I mean, open up the door. I mean, the power of giving thanks. It transforms us from grumblers into people with gratitude who can enter into the presence of God, our Savior. And it can transform our relationships here on this horizontal level. I've preached way over my allotted time, but give me one more moment here and the band can start you know doing their thing here but this is what um, melody uh, Beatty said about gratitude and i love this gratitude unlocks the fullness of life it turns what we have into enough and more it turns denial into acceptance chaos to order confusion to clarity it can turn a meal into a feast a house into a home a stranger into a friend it turns problems into gifts failures into successes, the unexpected into perfect timing, and mistakes into important events. It can turn an existence into a real life, 
and disconnected situations into important and beneficial lessons. Gratitude makes sense of our past, brings peace for today, and creates a vision for tomorrow. And in your bulletin, it will say this. Paul puts it just a lot more succinctly, a lot more simply, in a way that all of us can remember and carry with us this week. Rejoice always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Let me pray. I preached long enough, God, so let's keep it simple right now. Let us, your people, give thanks in all circumstances, for we now know this is your will for us. Amen. Let's worship him.